0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده تعالى ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمد عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار وبعد indeed the messenger of Allah والسلام, he said in the hadith of Anas ibn Malik عنه, recorded by Imam Ahmad Imam Tirmidhi declared Hassan by Imam al-Albani he said if you pass by the riyaab of al-jannah if you pass by the gardens of jannah the gardens of paradise فرتعو, and feast Meaning feast from those gardens of paradise. So the companions they said, "Wamari'adul Jannah." What are the al Jannah? What are these gardens of paradise? So the Messenger of Allah والسلام, replied by saying, "Hilq al the hilaq. the circles of al-dhikr, of remembrance of Allah, and mentioning of Allah. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud رضي الله تعالى عنه, the great companion. When he would mention this hadith, he would say, I don't intend by way of that. I don't mean by way of hilaq al-dhikr, the circles of dhikr, to mean the qusas, the storytellers. Rather, what I mean by that is hilaq al-fiqh, the circles of fiqh. The circles of gaining religious knowledge, religious understanding. The hilaq of a dhikr, the circles, the gatherings, the meetings of knowledge. They are the meetings and they are the gatherings and they are the gardens, gardens of al-jannah, gardens of paradise. If you want to attend a gathering or if you want to be a resident in a paradise on earth, then indeed that is the gatherings of knowledge that you will be attending. There is no other gathering that you can attend that is more virtuous and greater than the gatherings of al-ilm. These, these gatherings of knowledge, there are those gatherings in which the angels, they attend. The angels, they surround the gatherings of al-ilm. The angels, as the Messenger of Allah, والسلام, said, inna, inna, wa inna al-malaika la tada'u Indeed the angels, they lower their wings out of pleasure For the talib al-ilm, for the seeker of knowledge The gatherings of al-ilm, they are those gatherings The attendees of which Allah boasts about in front of the angels The gatherings of al-ilm, they are those gatherings that protect you they protect the tongue. Because if it's the case that you're not engaged in a gathering of al-ilm, a gathering of knowledge, where you have no other choice, except that if you're going to use your tongue, you're going to be using it in the dhikr of Allah. You're going to be using it in remembrance of Allah. So in such a gathering, your, your tongue can't help but be protected, but be, but be safeguarded. Because when it's outside of those gatherings, then it's at the risk it's at the risk of falling into those things that Allah hates and causes His displeasure. So on that basis, we have decided to have these gatherings every single Sunday evening, have these gatherings of al-ilm, gatherings of al-dhikr, going over that matter which no doubt would be of great importance to all of us. And that is the subject of inshirah al-sadr alleviation of the chest relaxation of the chest the chest is tight the chest is constrained what are the means what are the avenues by which the chest can be alleviated from the from the distress and from the constraint feeling that it's in and the material that we're going to be using for these sittings and for these gatherings is from the great scholar al-Imam Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah he authored a book by the name of Zad al-Ma'ad al provisions of the hereafter concerning the concerning the guidance of the best of slaves yani the messenger of Allah it's a book the topic of which is the biography of our Messenger, sallallahu alaihi In this book, Ibn al-Qayyim has a section that is dedicated just to the topic of the asbab, the means, the causes, the avenues which bring about alleviation of the chest. Because of certain factors in a person's life, he feels that his chest is tight. He feels that his soul is tight. He feels his heart is tight. He feels that his life is tight and constricted, suffocating. So then what are those means and those avenues that the person should adopt in order to bring about the alleviation of that tightness that he's feeling? Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala, he lists several asbab, several means and avenues by which this alleviation can be brought about. And no doubt it's important, it's an important topic for us to consider and to study. Especially when it's the case that we're living in an environment that is not an environment whereby those factors and those means and those causes that bring about the inshirah of the Sadr that they are prevalent. Because when Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala when he discusses the means and the causes of alleviation of the chest none of those asbab that he talks about none of those means that he talks about and mentions are dunyawi are material based all of the means that he mentions they are ukhrawi, they're related to the afterlife they're related to developing a relationship with your Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala so no means and avenue that Ibn al-Qayyim mentions Is related to the dunya. He never makes a mention of if you have such and such a food, alleviation of the chest may occur. He never mentions that if you practice such and such a hobby, alleviation of the chest may occur. He never says if you exercise with these type of exercises, physical exercises, then that tightness that you feel in your chest it will be removed. He makes a mention of the primary causes. Those other causes they might have some room, but they are secondary causes. Those dunyawi causes. He mentions the primary causes, the main causes, the fundamental means of bringing about that relaxation of the chest. And us who live in Dar al kufr those of us, us who live in the lands of disbelief, is it the case that we th- we see the shahāir of Islam, we see the signs of Islam being manifest when we are out? Is it the case that we live in an environment where ilm is anywhere and everywhere you go? Is it the case that we have an easy access to us, Ahlul Ilm, the ulamat, the scholars? All of these things that would help and facilitate attaining these asbab, attaining these causes that bring about the alleviation of the chest? No doubt, I'm sure we'd all admit that for us that are living in Darul Kufr, living in the lands of disbelief, that these means are a bit more harder to attain and acquire and practice as opposed to and in comparison to when you're living in Dar al-Islam. So as for the author himself, Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala, in reality he's somebody that doesn't need much of an introduction. Everybody, at the very least, has heard of him and at least of some of his achievements. But in brief, he is the Imam Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala, Abu Abdullah Shamsuddin. Muhammad ibn Abi Bakr, ibn Ayyub ibn Sa'ad, al-Zur'i, then al-Damishqi, commonly known as ibn Qayyim al Jawziyah. He was born on the 7th of the month of Safar, in the year 691 after Hijrah. ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, he came from an environment of knowledge, an upbringing of knowledge, his father, he was a man of knowledge. Ibn al-Qayyim studied Fara'id with him. Likewise, his, one of his own nephews, he is the one that took the vast majority of the books that Ibn al-Qayyim ta'ala had. So there are other members from the family of Ibn al-Qayyim that were also engaged in seeking knowledge. He came from an environment and an upbringing of knowledge to such an extent that it's mentioned that he started seeking knowledge al-ilm and there are reports of him reading books to ulama to scholars at the age of seven at the tender age of seven ibn al Qaim rahimahullah he was engaged in talib al-ilm at such a young and tender age reading books to the ulama as far as his journeys are concerned then ibn al Qaim rahimahullah he traveled to cairo seeking knowledge in cairo Likewise, to Jerusalem, seeking knowledge there, not just in the matters of Sharia. No doubt, Sharia is learning the disciplines of your Deen and the studies that are Deen-based. They are the most noble. But likewise, going to these places, he travelled to these places, seeking knowledge and uh, uh, engaging in discussions and debates on matters of medicine. Likewise, likewise, he sought ilm of medicine in Egypt The people of Mecca As Ibn Rajab uh, al-Hanbali He mentioned Ibn al-Qaym was the person That would make Hajj many a times And he was somebody that would He would uh, engage in worship And stay within Mecca many a times Engaging in worship To such an extent that the people of Mecca They would mention about him that he became known for his for the Shiddat al ibadah for the in, uh, great amount of worship that he would be engaged in when he would be in Mecca, and the great amount of tawaf that he would be engaged in when he would be in Mecca. Ibn al from the things that he was known for, was the gathering of books. Not to say that the gathering of books in and of itself is something that is virtuous. If a person doesn't benefit from his books, if his heart is hard, if his heart is hard, then those books aren't going to aren't going to be of any benefit and of any use to him. However, Ibn al-Qaym, no doubt, he was somebody who benefited from his books. And as Ibn Rajab, uh, or rather Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentioned that he gathered so many books, so many books that people, not even a tenth of the books that Ibn al qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala gathered, not even, most people would not, would not even be able to gather a tenth of the books that Ibn al qayyim rahimahullah wa ta'ala was able to gather. In terms of whom he sought knowledge from, and as mentioned before, he sought knowledge from his father, likewise from Imam al-Mizzi, but the one that he became, and the one that he was a, stu- a student and a, he had mulazama with, he stuck to, and he became well-known and famous for being from amongst his prominent students, was whom? Sheikh islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala. Does anybody know how long he studied with him for? Anybody would like to have a guess? 35 years? Less than that. 16 years. 16 years. Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala sought at the hands of Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah and kept mulazamah with him, kept his company. Likewise, Imam al-Mizzi, he is also from the teachers of Imam Ibn al-Qayyim. As far as his students are concerned, then among them is Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali rahimahullah Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali, what's he famous for? Or oh, name me one of the books that he's famous for authoring. Yeah. The famous explanation of Arba'in al-Nawi, Jamil al wa al hikam it's by Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali. Likewise, there is—you've all heard of Fath al-Bari, right? Fath al-Bari, who's the author of that? Ibn Hajj al-Asqalani. Fath al-Bari is the explanation of Sahih al-Bukhari. However, there's another Fath al-Bari, author by Ibn, H- Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali, رحمه Again, an explanation of Sahih al-Bukhari. Likewise, from the students of Ibn al-Qaym, rahimahullah, was Ibn Kathir, famous for which topic, which subject, tafsir. Thus, we have tafsir Ibn Kathir. Likewise, Imam al-Zahabi, Imam al famous for many books. One of them being the biography, or the like, encyclopedia uh, biography of the narrators of the hadith by the name of Sir Sir Alam. Sia'al Alam al-nubala Likewise Ibn Abdul Hadi Ibn al Hadi, who authored the book Al Muharrar, so in the, in the Medina University, in the Kulit al Hadith in the faculty of Hadith, as far as studying a hadith is concerned, the book that is the مقرر that is part of the curriculum, is this book, Al Muharrar, by Ibn Abdul Hadi, which is very similar to Ballug al Maram, except that there is more of an extensive discussion concerning the chains of narration. So Ibn Abdul Hadi. Likewise, uh, Al-Farouz Abadi. Al-Farouz Abadi. al Fayruz Abadi. He is famous for a dictionary, an Arabic dictionary that he authored, known as Al-Qamus Al-Muhit. Al-Qamus Al-Muhit. As for the death of Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah Ta'ala, then he passed away uh, in the year of rather in the month of uh, he died on the which is basically Wednesday evening Wednesday evening on the 23rd of Rajab the year 751 after hijrah that is as far as the biography no doubt it is a brief and summarized biography the sahib al-matn the author of the text ibn al-qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala the explanation because no doubt ibn al-qayyim rahimahullah his words are very profound in meaning and thus we have ulama that explain the words the profound words of ibn al-qayyim so that we can relate to those words and we can understand those words better a sheik muhammad aman al-jami rahimahullah ta'ala he is the one that gave some commentary, an explanation to this small treatise, or this small section from Zad al-Ma'adab ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala. So as far as Sheikh Muhammad Aman al-Jami rahimahullah ta'ala is concerned, does anybody know which part of the world Sheikh Muhammad Aman al-Jami uh, originated from? Anybody? Sorry? Africa. Which parts of Africa? Ethiopia. You say Africa or do you say Ethiopia? You said both, huh? Nah. As for Sheikh Mohammed Aman Al Jami Then his name, his full name is Muhammad Aman Ibn Ali Jami Ali. Muhammad Aman. Ibn Ali, Jami Ali, his kunya is Abu Ahmad. He was born in an area known as Harar, in a village known as Pagha Paba. His official documents concerning his date of birth state that he was born in the year 1349 after Hijrah corresponds to 13, 1930 in summary in brief the shaykh he began his uh, at a young age in his village learning the Quran uh, he learnt the shafi'i madhab at the hands of these teachers in his village and then the shaykh he traveled to as was the custom amongst the people from Ethiopia traveled to other village seeking al-ilm up until the shaykh wanted to make al-hajj so he went to Somalia and then from there with another companion of his, he boarded a ship. However, the ship, yani, there was a lot of waves and a lot of danger. So they yani, uh, disembarked in Aden, which is in Yemen. From there, the Sheikh went to Hudaida, which is an area, which is a town in Yemen. And then from there, they got into the southern part of Saudi Arabia. Before, while the sheikh was in Yemen, they were telling him, be careful of the Wahhabiya. Be careful of the Wahhabi when you get to Saudi Arabia. Anyhow, the shaykh, he got to Saudi, and once he had uh, been given entrance to get into Makkah, he performed al-Hajj. And there he stayed <coughs> in the Haram, seeking al ilm In the Haram, seeking knowledge in the Haram al-Makki. Uh, until he was acquainted, and he became acquainted while he was in Makkah studying in the different halaqat of al-ilm in Mecca, he became acquainted with uh, Samahat al-Sheikh, Abdul Aziz, Ibn Baz, rahimahullah ta'ala. And with the sheikh, he traveled to riyadh when al Ma'had al was opened there. The Institute of Knowledge was opened in riyadh And there the sheikh, he joined the Ma'adh al in Riyadh. You could say it's the equivalent of a secondary school. Obviously it wasn't just for teenagers, but in terms of the academic level of the knowledge that was being taught, equivalent to a secondary school. And then after that, the Shaykh, he joined the Kulliyat al-Sharia, the faculty of Sharia in uh, al-Riyadh. And thereon after, in, in 1380, which is corresponding to 1961, uh, uh, after graduating from there, the Shaykh, he went to Pakistan Punjab, Punjab in Pakistan, one of the provinces in Pakistan, and he joined the Jamit, and he got his masters from Jamit uh, Punjab, from the University of Punjab, he got his masters from there. And thereon after, that was in the year uh, 1974, and then his doctorate, his PhD, he got that from Al Qahira, he got that from Egypt uh, in Cairo. In terms of the praise of the ulama, we could Spend the whole lesson, the rest of the lesson, the rest of the sitting, going over the praise, the extensive praise that the ulama have made concerning the Sheikh, Sheikh Abdul Aziz Ibn Baz, rahimahullah ta'ala, Sheikh Umar Falatah who was from the ulama of Hadith in Al-Madina, uh, Sheikh Salih Al-Fawzan, Sheikh Muhammad Amin Shankiti, rahimahullah ta'ala, the Sheikh from Mauritania who became famous for what? Tafsir. Anybody know the name of his tafsir? Adwa al Bayan. Adwa al Bayan. Sheikh Muhammad Amin Shanqiti, he, be, he authored this tafsir of the Quran, Adwa al Bayan, in which he uh, makes tafsir of the ayat with other ayat. In any case, Sheikh Muhammad Amin Shanqiti Ta'ala, praise from him was uttered. Likewise, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab al Banna from Egypt, likewise, great praise for Sheikh. Muhammad Aman al-Jami. Yani, the ulama made great praise of this sheikh. But one thing that is significantly, significant, significantly important to mention and highlight is what the sheikh was well known for and became famous for. And uh, yani A significant characteristic about the sheikh was his great inayah, the great importance that he gave to al-aqidah. Al-Aqidah, Sahihah, the correct creed, the correct belief. al al Salafiyyah, the creed that is based upon the creed of the Salaf. If you, to, if you were to read the praise and the tazkiyat that Ahlul Ilm gave to him, you're constantly going to come across this. That This is something that was a significant feature about the Shaykh, the great amount of importance that he gave to Aqidah, traveling throughout the Mamlakah, in the kingdom, teaching al aqeedah traveling outside of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, teaching Al-Aqidah. His students would notice that in his classes of Aqid, in his classes in general, the Sheikh could not help but mention Al-Aqidah, and could not help but highlight the great importance and the significance of Al-Aqidah, the correct aqeedah, and refuting the Aqaid al-Batila, refuting the incorrect, deviated Aqaid, he could not help but highlight the importance and significance of this it's as though the students would mention and the ulama they would mention that you could feel just by the way that he would speak about aqidah you could sense the passion that was ingrained in the heart of this man for al aqeedah for the correct creed it's like his mission was to ingrain in the hearts of the shabab and the tulab to ingrain in the hearts of the youth and the students that came studying at the Islamic University of, of al Madina from all corners of the earth it's like it was his mission to ingrain the significance of al-aqida in the hearts of the students so this is something that the ulama when they make praise of him that they mention about Sheikh Muhammad al-Jami that this was a significant characteristic of the Sheikh the great importance that he gave to aqida as far as the uh, the Tulab of the Shaykh, then in brief, from amongst them are, and just to make a mention of these mashaykh is that enough to highlight the great effect and influence that he has, that he has had for the Ummah. Among his students is Shaykh Al Allaamah Rabi'i ibn Hadi al madkhali Likewise, a Shaykh al-Allama Zayd ibn Hadi al-Madkhali, likewise a Shaykh al-Allama Ali ibn Nasr al-Faqihi, and so on and so forth. Many ulama, many other mashaykh that he became, uh, that he was a teacher for, mashaykh that later on in the Ali became known for the ilm themselves. As far as the characteristics of the Shaykh are concerned, and here, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he was known, as we mentioned, for the great importance that he gave to al Aqeedah, authoring in Aqeedah, traveling and giving lectures concerning Aqeedah, and Radd, refuting the Mukhalifin, refuting those who opposed this Aqeedah. Likewise, from his characteristics, was the lack of mixing that he would do with people. He wasn't somebody that would greatly socialize with people. His barnaamid, his program, his, uh, his schedule was well known. In the morning, he would leave to Al-Jami'ah al to the Islamic University for work. Teach at the university. Come home. After home, he would leave to Al-Haram, the uh, Masjid Al-Nabawi in Al-Madina. After that, so after, يعني, for Salat al-Asr, after Salat al-Asr, he would be engaged in durus he'd be engaged in lessons. After Salat al-Maghrib, uh, again engaged in delivering lectures. After Salat al isha again engaged in the Haram, delivering lectures. And that was his program, that was his Barnamish, that was his schedule up until he became ill and thus for a year he was bedridden up until he passed away, rahimahullah. Likewise a Shaykh he was known for preserving his tongue He would not backbite people, insult people and Likewise he would not allow others to backbite in their presence He was known for preservation of his tongue He was likewise known for his gentleness For his softness and his kindness and his gentleness If it's the case that you are somebody who's engaged in giving da'wah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then it's inevitable that you're going to face what? Opposition and harm. The shaykh was no exception. He received harm. He received opposition from others and plotting and planning from others against him. Yet the shaykh rahimahullah ta'ala, he was somebody who would say that, I do not wish, I hope that Allah will not place anybody in the fire of hell, as a result of me. He would forgive the people to such an extent that the sheikh, because he was opposed to the jamaat, to the political groups and parties that had emerged from Ikhwan al-Muslimin, the Qutubiyah, because he was known to speak out against these groups and parties. Those people that said, you know what, to have groups and parties, it's a good thing. For the ummah to have Groups and parties, and we're all competing against each other. Tabliq is competing against Ikhwan al-Muslimin. Ikhwan al-Muslimin competing against Hizb al-Tahrir and so on and so forth. To have this plurality of groups, it's a good thing. So the sheikh, he would refute this and speak against this. On an occasion, when in the masjid, the the sheikh is speaking against this plurality of groups, and that in reality the jama'ah is one jama'ah, and not plural jama'ahs, and many jama'ahs, Indeed Allah, he is not pleased of the ummah being split up into groups and parties. The shaykh is speaking regarding this point. A group of people, they come. Starting to raise their voices in the middle of the dars, in the middle of the lecture. Against the shaykh. They get up and they physically start to approach the shaykh. Up until they get the shaykh. And they physically begin to heckle the shaykh and beat the shaykh. Rahimahullah. What did the shaykh say about these type of people? He said, I forgive them. These people that not just plon- and, uh, pl- plotted and planned against the Sheikh, physically harmed the Sheikh, Put the Sheikh in hospital. The Sheikh, what did he say? I don't want anybody to he- enter into the hellfire because of me. Rahimahullah. Likewise, the Sheikh it was known, well known about him. But he would say at his durus and his sittings and his gatherings and his lectures, he would say that, I don't, nobody needs to come to me, nobody needs to approach me to seek forgiveness from me for having taken my right, for having backbitten me, for having gossiped about me, for having lied against me. Nobody needs to come to me to seek forgiveness. Rather, I forgive anybody and everybody, anybody that has done anything to me, anybody that has taken a right of me. You don't need to come to me to seek forgiveness. I've already forgiven everybody. And he would ask people to convey, this, to, get, to convey this message of his to others. Not just that, but likewise from the characteristics of the sheikh. Is that he would give a lot of importance to his own students. To the people that he would teach. His importance to them and his attention to them. Would not just be limited to the lessons. But outside of the lessons. Concerning any family problems that they had he would be readily available to help them. Financially, if they needed any help, he'd be readily, readily available to help them. Again, as we said, concerning Ibn al-Qayyim, likewise concerning Sheikh Muhammad Iman al-Jami, we could continue going on concerning his, his, uh, his virtues and his biography and his life story. But because of the, uh, because of the subject at hand, we have to be brief. So uh, the Sheikh Rahimahullah Taala, as we said before, he was bedridden and he was in that state for a year, uh, up until on the Wednesday, twenty-sixth of Sha'ban, in the year fourteen sixteen, the year fourteen sixteen, which corresponds to the seventeenth of January, uh, nineteen ninety-six, the Sheikh Rahimahullah Taala passed away. So that is concerning the biography of the sheikh. As far as the matan is concerned, did you uh, do you have the uh, printed version? That yeah, the uh, text. You don't have it printed, huh? Is it not? You going to be printing it? Okay, (laughs) because what I was going to suggest is, in order to bring about some type of. Participation from the attendees. If the brothers they wish, they could read from the mutton. They could read from the text of Ibn Al Qayyim before we commence with the Sharh. Before we commence with the explanation. Um, we're not going to be cover. We're not going to be able to cover much because um, we've already spent a bit of time just on what we've covered so far. But we'll mention the first line or so from the mutton. And some of the ta'liqat, some of the commentary that Sheikh Muhammad Imam he gave. And then we can continue next week. So Ibn al-Qaym wa ta'ala, he says, فصل في أسباب شرح الصدور وحصولها على الكمال له صلى الله عليه وسلم. So he says chapter or section concerning the means by which alleviation, relaxation of the chests are brought about. Acquisition of which Or perfect acquisition of which Belongs solely to the Messenger of Allah Meaning but Here is a chapter This is a chapter This is a section of the book Which is about The means and the avenues and the methods That you need to adopt In order to bring about relaxation in your chest And perfect relaxation Perfect relaxation Was only ever attained And can only ever be attained by Allah's Messenger was only ever attained only ever attained by the Messenger of Allah that is the title then Ibn al Ta'ala he goes on to say sharh the greatest means of attaining sharh of your chest expansion of your chest alleviation relaxation of your chest is what Getting a good job? La. He doesn't say this. Getting a promotion? La. What was it? Huh? Iman? Yeah, any close. You're very close. Ahsan, Marakallahu Fiqh. What's your name? Ayyub. Marakallahu Fiqh. Zadakallahu Ilman, Ya Ayub. He says, The greatest means of bringing about alleviation of your chest. Is not getting a promotion, is not getting a car, a new fancy car, is not moving into that area. Halliwell? Halliwell, sah? La? What's it called? Lost stock? I'm sure it began with the H last time I asked. It's not moving into the most affluent area in Bolton. It's not getting rid of your annoying neighbor. It's not being rid of a certain illness and ailment that you're undergoing. No. These things, yes, they do have some place, some degree of significance. But the greatest, nothing greater than this, the greatest means and cause of bringing about alleviation, relaxation of your chest is a Is It's a wa ala hasbi kamalihi, Ibn al he says. ala hasbi kamalihi. وَقُوَّتِهِ وَزِيَادَتِهِ يَكُونُ صَدْرِ صَاحِبِهِ And in accordance to the degree of perfection and strength and increase of a person's Tawheed does his chest proportionately expand? Meaning, depending upon how strong your Tawheed is Depending upon how perfect and complete your Tawheed is Depending upon how much of an increase there is in your Tawheed Dependent upon that Your chest will increase in proportion to that The more stronger that you are in your Tawheed The more relaxed and alleviated and expanded your chest will feel The more increased and perfect your Tawheed is The more relaxed and and alleviated will your chest feel Shaykh Muhammad al-Jami, no doubt, he'll go on to expound upon this. Ibn al qayyim he then quotes the ayah from Surah Al-Zumar, ayah number 22. Is he whose chest Allah has expanded, opened up towards Islam, and thus he is upon Noor from his Lord, meaning, is he like the one that is not like that? Is the one whose chest Allah has opened up by his rahmah, by his generosity. Allah did not have to open up your chest to Islam. Rather that was a fadal from him. That was a favor from Allah. But is he whose chest that Allah has expanded towards Islam and thus he is upon light from his Lord. Is he like the one that is not like that? No doubt he's not like that. Then Ibn Qayyim, he quotes a second ayah. From Surah Al-An'am, Ayah 125. يُرِدِ اللَّهُ أَنْ He whom Allah wants to guide, He expands His chest, He opens His chest up towards Islam. وَمَنْ يُرِدْ أَنْ يُضِلَّهُ يَجْعَلْ صَدْرَهُ ضَيِّقًا حَرَجًا كَأَنَّمَا يَصْعَدُ فِي السَّمَاءِ but he whom Allah wants to misguide, then he causes his chest to become tight and constrained, as though he is being raised into the skies. There's a scoda uh, outside that they're giving a ticket to. So anybody who's got a scoda, then you then you better go quickly. <coughs> طيب. So Shaykh Muhammad Amanajami he says concerning this. He says concerning this part at Tawheed Tawheed it weakens and it strengthens fi inside the soul of the human being. Wayazidu wayan tawheed it increases and it decreases Why? Why and how does Tawheed become something that increases and decreases and becomes strong and weakened? He says Tawheed is something that increases Tawheed is something that becomes strong. Tawheed is something that decreases. Tawheed is something that becomes weak. How and why? Because Tawheed, the asal of the Tawheed, the foundation of the Tawheed, is what? Is having Iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Iman in Allah consists of what? Iman in Allah consists of Iman in His existence. Iman in His right of worship. Iman in his uh, uh, his unicity of his lordship. Iman in the unicity of his names and then his attributes. That there's nothing like him. But this here, that's the asal of Tawheed. That is the foundation of Tawheed. If this is null and void, if this is non-existent, then your Tawheed is null and void. If this here, Iman in the existence of Allah, Iman in Allah, Allah's lordship, Iman in Allah's right of worship. Iman in Allah's names and attributes. If this is not present, then the then because it's the asl of tawheed, then there is no tawheed in that person's heart. That's the asl of tawheed. That's the foundation of tawheed. But then, there is another matter that a person needs to take into consideration. And that is what? The kamal at-tawheed. The perfection and completion of your Tawheed. That is the asal of Tawheed. Al-Iman, Billah, Biwujudillah, bi Wa-Uluhiyatihi, Wa-Asma'ihi, Wa-Sifatihi. Having Iman in Allah, in His existence, in His Lordship, in His uh, rites of worship, in His names and His attributes. That's the asal of Tawheed. That's the foundation of Tawheed. If that is not there, there is no Tawheed at all. But then you have after that the Kamal of Tawheed. The perfection of the Tawheed. The completion and perfection of a Tawheed. And that itself is of two levels Kamal at Tawheed al Wajib, the obligatory perfection of one's Tawheed, and Kamal at Tawheed al Mustahab, and the superrogatory perfection of one's Tawheed. So you've got the asl of Tawheed, the foundation of Tawheed Without which there is no Tawheed, there is no Iman But then on top of that You have that which perfects that Tawheed And that perfection, from that perfection is that which is obligatory That perfection which is obligatory upon you to to have If you don't have that perfection Then we say that your Tawheed is naqis Tawheed is deficient, it is weak and then above that there is the Tawheed al mustahab the the, rec- the uh, superogatory Tawheed. So as for Tawheed, or Kamal at tawheed al-Wajib, the perfection and completion that is Wajib concerning your Tawheed, then that is, then that is, any fulfilling the obligations of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and abstaining from the prohibitions that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has commanded you to abstain from yani the huquq of at-tauhid the rights of at-tauhid la yu'min ahadukum hatta akun uhabba ilayhi min walidihi wa waladihi wal-nas ajma'een the messenger said he says la yu'minu none of you have iman none of you do not believe none of you have iman which iman al-iman al-kamil al-iman al-kamil yani yani kamal al-iman al-wajib the perfection of one's iman that is wajib. You do not you do not have that obligatory perfection of one's iman. Hatta up until I become more beloved to him, the messenger is saying, than his father, his son, and the whole of mankind. لا يؤمن أحدكم The messenger says, none of you has iman up until he loves for his brother. What he loves for himself. Which Iman? Kamal al Iman al Wajib. The perfection of one's Iman that is Wajib. That perfection that is Wajib upon a person to attain. Then, thereon after you have Kamal al Iman al Mustahab. The perfection of one's Iman that is Mustahab. That is uh, uh, superrogatory, voluntary, superrogatory, extra, optional. Therefore that occurs and that is attained as a result of doing what? Worshipping Allah but that could fit into Kamal al tawheed Al-Mustahab So Kamal al tawheed Al-Mustahab the perfection of one's Tawheed Kamal al tawheed Al-Wajib the perfection of one's Tawheed which is Wajib that perfection that is Wajib for the Muslim to have is keeping away from the prohibitions and fulfilling the obligations So therefore attaining that Tawheed that is not obligatory, but a supererogatory is attained by the slave who engages in those acts of worship that are not obligatory. Okay, not obligatory. So in, in any case, Tawheed it is something that decreases and it increases. The shaykh, he says, fi And people, they are they are يعني, at a variance, and they vary concerning this Tawheed. A person, he may have one person, his Tawheed may be strong. Another person, his Tawheed is weak. One person, one day, his Tawheed is strong. That very same person, the next week, his Tawheed, it is weak. He says, People, they are at difference, and at a degree of variation, at varying degrees concerning this Tawheed. And dependent upon how perfect this Tawheed is in that person Dependent upon how strong his Tawheed is Dependent upon how increased that Tawheed is Does his chest proportionately become expanded and alleviated Ibn al-Qaym rahimahullah in another book of his, Madarij al-Salikin, he mentions a relevant quote concerning this, and we shall conclude with this quote, uh, even though we haven't really begun with the actual uh, main part of the book, although we haven't really finished this initial part of the book, but uh, in order to keep these sittings uh, easier for the brothers to retain, we keep these sittings around about 40 to 45 minutes. So we'll conclude with this statement of Ibn al-Qayyim ta'ala, and then we'll continue with the rest next week inshallah ta'ala. Concerning the fact that Tawheed it differs from one person to another, and Tawheed it varies from one person to another, Ibn al-Qayyim he has a very very beneficial statement concerning this in another book of his, Madarij as in volume three, pages uh, 480 to 481. He says, He said, There is no doubt of the matter that the people of Tawheed, all of them, they differ and they vary as far as their levels of Tawheed are concerned. Based upon their knowledge. They differ and they vary concerning the knowledge of Tawheed that they have the awareness and the recognition of Tawheed that they have their hal concerning Tawheed, their condition concerning fulfilling this Tawheed and observing this Tawheed so the people of Tawheed they vary in the levels of Tawheed at such an amount of great variations that none is able to enumerate and encompass those varying degrees other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he then goes on to say, فَأَكْمَلُ النَّاسِ تَوْحِيدًا anbiya. Salawatullahi wa salamuhu Therefore, the greatest of people and the people that have the most perfect of a tawheed are the prophets. And then amongst those prophets, al-Mursalun, The messengers have more of a perfect tawheed. Their tawheed is more perfect than the, than the prophets. Then amongst those messengers, there is another group of messengers. Within that group of messengers, within the group of messengers, there is a specific category of messengers whose tawheed is even more complete and more perfect. Who are they? Ulul Azm, barakallahu The Ulul Azm, the five strong, firm willed messengers. They are the ones whose Tawheed is more perfect and more complete than the other messengers. Who from the children can tell us who those Ulul Azm are? Those five strong willed prophets and messengers. MashaAllah, we've got three, eh? Ayyub, what's your name? Abdurrahim, Haytham, Ansar. Yalla Allah Rahim who are the, who are those five strong firm willed messengers Nuh alayhi salam Ibrahim alayhi salam Musa alayhi salam <laughs> how many is that? Four. You've mentioned so far. Uh, nuh السلام, Ibrahim السلام, Musa السلام, Muhammad. There's something that you're missing in between Musa السلام, and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa So these are the five ulul these are the five strong will prophets and messengers. Ibn al he says, and the most perfect out of these five strong-willed prophets and messengers in Tawheed, Al-Khalilan, the two Khalils, the two friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the two beloved and close friends of Allah, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they are Muhammad wa Ibrahim, salawat Allahi wa salamuhu alayhima, fa'innahuma qama min atawheed bima lam yaqum bihi ghayruhuma ilman wa ma'adifatan wa halan wa da'awatan lil khalq wa jahaadan فَلَا Al-Qaim he says, so these two prophets, they carried out Tawheed and they established Tawheed in such a manner that no one besides these two has ever carried out, they carried out this Tawheed in a way and in a manner that nobody else ever carried out As far as their knowledge and awareness of Tawheed is concerned As far as their own hal, their condition Their implementation Them carrying out this Tawheed and actualizing this Tawheed Is concerned Nobody Nobody established this Tawheed like they did In calling to this Tawheed In calling the creation to Tawheed In striving in regards to this Tawheed Therefore, Ibn al he says There is no Tawheed that is more perfect and more complete Than the Tawheed that was established by the messengers And that the messengers called to And the Tawheed on account of which they strived Against the dif- disbelieving nations uh, Because of So as we said We'll conclude here um, At this initial part of the book And then Next Sunday Same time We'll continue with the rest of Sheikh Muhammad Iman al-Jami's explanation to this part of the text. So unless there is anything that needs to be repeated or corrected or clarified, we'll conclude here.